Hi, Pastor John here. I just want to thank you for downloading or streaming this service from North Carolina Baptist Church. We pray that it encourages, challenges, and excites you in your walk with Christ as you prayerfully consider ways to impact your community for Christ. A couple things I want to say before we get into our video today. I just want to say that we're praying for you that you know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. And if you do not know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you've not made that decision for yourself, you can, right there where you are, you can pray and confess your sins to Christ, repenting and turning from them, asking for forgiveness from Him by receiving the gospel, by receiving His, His grace that He's offering to you in the free gift of salvation, by putting your faith and trust in Him. If you have any questions about that, we'd love to answer those for you. Please reach out to us and let us know. We also want to let you know that if you would like to support what God is doing here at NGBC, we invite you at any time to go on our website, northgoodland.org, or by downloading our church app by going to North Goodland BC in your app store and downloading that right there on your mobile device. You can give a gift of any size at any time, and we greatly, greatly appreciate all the gifts of generosity that go towards the ministry here, helping us to do what God has called us to do to reach this world for Christ. Now, we invite you to prepare your heart to lift up the name of Christ, to be stirred by his word, all for his glory alone. Well, good evening, and thank you so much for checking out our Romans study tonight. Uh, we invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Uh, we are going to be picking up where we left off pretty much from, we ended chapter 9 here a couple of weeks ago. We're going to be getting into chapter 10. And we have been going through the book of Romans now for quite a few months and looking at how God is moving and speaking through the Apostle Paul as Paul is writing to the church at Rome. And so much ground has been covered, and so I encourage you, if you are new with us tonight, you have not been a part of the Romans study up until this point, um, the videos only go back into really Romans 9, um, which I think is second half or end of Romans 9. Uh, before that, uh, we would encourage you to get the notes. You can get all the notes. Each chapter has a outline, if you will, which is attached to this video. Uh, but before we started doing videos of them, we did have all the chapter outlines available. And so if you are interested in that and getting that in a printed form, uh, please let me know. Message me or just kind of hit me up on Facebook or whatever. Uh, we'd love to get that to you so you have uh, each chapter kind of outlined before you. Just as a little uh, study tool, a way to kind of just get some information about the chapter. Um, they're not uh, overly exhaustive. Uh, but just enough to kind of give you some meat there so you're able to do some study on your own. And if you haven't read uh, Romans 1 through 9 up to this point, I encourage you maybe following the video this week, you would go ahead and catch up on that. So again, uh, Romans 10 does not take place uh, apart from the rest of the chapters. It's part of that. It's an ongoing uh, understanding of Romans. And so if we don't have a good idea of what Romans 1 through 9 talks about, uh, Romans 10, while there's a lot of things that do obviously make sense if we can kind of just see them where they are, uh, but there's some things in Romans 10 that make sense as we've gone through the book. And so I encourage you to do that, and thank you so much for getting into God's Word with us, and I pray that it's a blessing to you. And so we're going to start in Romans 10. Before we do, let's open in a word of prayer, ask God to bless our time together and the reading of His Word. Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you for the ability we have to open up your word, to see what you have for us. I pray that it would shape our thinking, that it would shape our hearts and our minds to, to live in a way that would be glorifying to you, uh, that we would desire to make an impact for you and to make a difference for you in all things, and that you alone would be promoted and glorified. May your name go forth. Father, thank you so much for the book of Romans, the impact that it's had 
uh, all over the world throughout church history and in different lives. And I thank you for the way it's impacted my life. And I pray that the study of this book will continue to increase your glory. And so, Father, give us wisdom and understanding in these things. And again, thank you for all that we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans chapter 10, um, and I'm going to drink a little water. I know I don't usually do that, but my throat's been a little scratchy with this kind of seasonal stuff going on, so I appreciate your grace on that. Um, maybe you just took a little water break. That's, that's hey, go for it. Um, and so what I want to do is I want to jump into Romans 10. We're going to look at verse 1. This starts, give you a little idea of where we've been, what Paul is kind of talking about here, and then we'll get into a few more verses. And so uh, in chapter 10, Paul continues his addressing of the theme of righteousness, which he kind of really was going through in chapter 9, and moves from the God's sovereignty of 9 into human responsibility in 10. It's a beautiful picture of the way Paul kind of bookends these things together in these two chapters. Uh, remember chapter 9, again, dealt with the sovereignty of God and that he is entitled because he is God and creator. He is the uh, potter, we are the clay, uh, because he is God to show mercy to whomever he chooses and that he is able to use even ungodly men or even heathen nations. Ungodly men, for example, would be Pharaoh. He, he allowed Pharaoh to, to do what Pharaoh did, but he used him and was glorified ultimately through the acts of Pharaoh. And so we have a hard time understanding that. But the same thing happened with the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was led into captivity by the Babylonians. The Babylonians were a heathen nation. Uh, they weren't loving and serving God and glorifying God, but God used them because God is sovereign and he can work all things together. Uh, remember, it's not the things, but the God in the things. It's not the things that work. It's God who orchestrates the things together. And so we praise God for his sovereignty. But as we move into chapter 10, we see some things being talked about here that suggest and, and even tell us that it's a big part of salvation is not just God's sovereignty, but human uh, responsibility. And now I know, again, that's a big topic. That's something that a lot of people have debated uh, throughout church history. Uh, people have argued and debated about where one stops and the other starts. There's different theological terms for these things. There's different understandings. There's different applications in evangelism. And um, some people look at it like, well, I don't really need to witness because if they're going to get saved, they'll just get saved and God will just save them. I don't need to do anything. Um, and some people will say, well, no, um, it's not God's sovereignty that matters. It's all based in humanity. It's all based in us. And, and we can choose Christ and we can leave Christ and we can have salvation and we can lose our salvation. And so there's all these different applications that come out of our understanding of this dynamic. And let me just be clear that our position, our belief is that the Bible speaks of God's sovereignty throughout Scripture and the Bible speaks of human responsibility throughout Scripture. Both are spoken of, both exist, and by the way, both coexist in Scripture, and, and it's, it's okay for there to be a tension there. It, it's okay for me to not have every single answer for that debate, that issue. It's okay to understand, you know what? I know God knew I would receive Christ at 16. I, I know that God, before the foundations of the world were laid, He knew that at 16 years old, I would be at Camp Chautauqua in Miamisburg, Ohio, and that I would receive Christ, that I would pray the sinner's prayer and ask to be saved, forgiven of my sins. He knew that. I didn't know that. I didn't know, know that until I was doing it and making that choice. So again, both those things coexist 
in salvation and in our understanding of this. We can't eliminate one for the, the, the betterment of the other. We can't say, I choose, there is no sovereignty. We can't say there's sovereignty, I don't choose. Both exist in Scripture, so we have to be okay with that tension. So saying that, let's move into Romans 10 to see where he goes with this understanding. And so Romans chapter 10 and verse 1 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is, so he's saying, this is my desire and my prayer, that they might be saved. That they might be saved. The nation of Israel, that they might be saved. This is my heart's desire and my prayer. Uh, this reminds us of Romans chapter 9, verse 1, where Paul says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul saying, I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying in everything I'm going to say. In verse 2 of chapter 9, he says that I have great heaviness and continued, listen now, sorrow in my heart. Why is he so sorrowful of heart? Why is he so heavy hearted? Because the nation of Israel, he desired them to know Christ and to be saved. And as he saw them drifting and rejecting and walking away, it broke his heart. So in Romans 10, what do we see? The same heart. I desire this. Uh, the Jewish people think Paul has betrayed them and in fact is leading people astray. They think Paul's leading people astray from the truth of God's word. Paul is reminding them again before he says hard things and things that are harsh and even hard to hear that he is driven not with anger and animosity, but he is driven with a love for them that they would come to know Christ and be saved. He's saying, listen, I'm going to say some things to you. In chapter 10, he says some things that might seem harsh, might seem hard, but I want you to know again, this is not based in my an anger towards you or an animosity or anything like that. It's rooted, it's grounded in a love for his people, his nation, the nation of Israel. So the Jews did not believe they needed to be saved. That's part of the problem. The Jews did not even believe they needed to be saved. Uh, spiritually, they did not need to be saved because after all, they were God's chosen people. Why do we need to be saved from anything? We're God's chosen people. We are, we are the people. We are the standard of humanity. Paul, however, just explained in chapter 9 that just because you are of the nation of Israel does not mean you are actually a member of God's family. He talks about, and even Jesus hinted at this idea of a, of a Jew indeed, a genuine Israelite, right? a genuine Hebrew. There are those who are of the, the line, the lineage, but they were not Jews in their heart. They were circumcised physically and externally, had the sign of the covenant, but they were not circumcised of the heart. Paul spent a lot of time in the Romans explaining this. And so here again, he's kind of reminding them, you need to be saved. This is the point. You need to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the Jews would think the Gentiles needed to be saved. That's true, but not them. Uh, Jesus in the gospels points out in the parable, in parable after parable, how wrong this attitude is for the Jews. Uh, we see this in Luke chapter 15 and Luke chapter 18. Uh, these two stories involve the older brother and the story of the prodigal son. And then the Pharisee uh, that Jesus makes clear uh, was externally righteous, but did not leave righteous. Uh, I like what Warren Worsby said. Israel would have been happy, and this is an amazing quote. Warren Worsby said this. Israel would have been happy for political salvation from Rome, but she, the nation of Israel, she did not feel she needed spiritual salvation from her own sin. I think that's true when you read the Gospels and you read 
the New Testament, you see the, the attitude of the Jewish people. They would have loved for God to show up. Even when Jesus was on earth, they constantly said, all right, you're going to throw over the Romans now? You're going to kick the Romans out? You're going you're to set up your physical kingdom? Are we going to rule and reign now? Are we going to be the ones in control? See, they wanted political salvation. They wanted that. But they didn't really understand their need for spiritual salvation. And I, I really believe we are in the same boat. Uh, not we as believers, but I mean we as, as, as human beings, as Americans today. Uh, we as people in this world. Uh, we fully want to be liberated from anything we feel is an oppression. We want to be set free from any kind of uh, oppression that is on us, that would infringe upon our individual rights and liberties. We want that freedom. We desire to be free that way. We want the freedom of choice to be able to do what we deem we want to do. We want someone that would come in and, and set us free from those things. But in reality, we don't really want to be saved from our sin. And here's why I would say that. Because Jesus makes it clear that we, in our sin, prefer sin. We, we, we prefer the darkness over the light. Because when we see the light, it exposes who we really are on the inside. And we don't really like that very much. So we would talk all day about being set free politically, being set free in our liberties individually, but when it comes to our sin and acknowledging the need for a Savior, we shy away from that naturally speaking. I'm not saying we don't receive Christ of a choice we make, putting our faith and trust in Christ. By the working of the Holy Spirit, we are offered that grace. What I mean is in our natural state, our natural fallen state, we would rather stay in our sin, reject the light of God, because if I, number one, if I, I open myself up to the light of Christ, it exposes who I really am, that I have sin, that I have flaws, that I am broken, right? that I'm not perfect. But it also opens me up to the reality that I am accountable to that God for my sin. And therefore there's judgment, and there's condemnation, and there's wrath. And we definitely don't like that. So we don't like to open ourselves up to the light of God through the gospel because and expose our sin because it shows that we're not perfect. We're cracked and broken, but we also don't like it because it means we have to open ourselves up to the reality that if he really is that God, if Christ really is that Savior, if it really is sin, and we open ourselves up to those realities, then I'm opening myself up to the reality that there's judgment for that, that he is, he is authority over me, and I'm in submission to him, and I'm earning and deserving of that wrath. And so that's exactly what's going on with the Jewish people. They were guising uh, they, were, they were kind of guising over their sin with religion and, and, and identification with the Jewish people, but they weren't really understanding their need for salvation. And I think we can do the same thing today. We go to church. We're very religious. Uh, some people say they're very spiritual. We pray. We do good things. We give to the poor, uh, especially during a time like this. So many people are trying to give, and they're, they're sharing messages of hope and encouragement. But apart from the personal work of Jesus Christ, it, it's, it's empty, it's not going to bring us salvation. It's going to leave us hungry. And worse, if we die in our sin apart from Christ, it's going to leave us condemned and under the wrath of God. And so just like the Jewish people didn't really understand their need for salvation, I think we as human beings today, and I can only speak for Americans today in our mindset, Western thinkers, we really struggle with the idea that we really need to be saved. And we also think this is true because we don't think our sin is really that big of a deal. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I was sharing Christ with some kids at the lunch table, and I used that term, saved. And the one kid looked at me and he said, saved from what? Like, what do I need to be saved from? I'm not in any danger. I've not done anything that needs to be saved. I don't need to be saved from anything. I'm fine. And we have that attitude about our sin. We think we're fine. It's not that big a deal. But the truth is, our sin 
put Christ on the cross. And today we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. He rose from the dead for us, and he did that to guarantee us salvation. And so just like the Jews in Paul's day, the Jews in Jesus' day, they didn't really understand their need for salvation. And Paul stresses to them, my desire, my prayer for you is that you'll be saved, that you'll know your need for a Savior. So my prayer for you as you're watching this, if you don't know Christ, is you will know your need for a Savior. And if you receive Christ as your Savior, maybe you would take just a moment, pause the video. It's okay, I'll be here when you get back. You pause the video and you just spend a moment in prayer saying, God, thank you that you saved me when I had nothing to bring to you, when I was unworthy and undone in my sin. Thank you for your grace and offering your forgiveness to me. So Paul moves on in verses 2 through 5. Um, we'll go ahead and start on this. I don't know if we'll get through um, all of it. But uh, again, we just kind of go as far as we can go in the passage. And then we pick it up next week. And so uh, Romans chapter 10 verses 2 through 5. Let's read this uh, together. For I bear them record, This I bear them, meaning the Jews, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. And so what's Paul getting at here? He's starting to kind of unpack the rejection of Christ or the rejection of Christ by, the, by Israel, by, by the Jews, that the Jews were rejecting Christ. Paul speaks very truthfully here, but remember again, he's not speaking with anger or bitterness. It's in the context of sharing his heart for them. He desires that they would know the truth in love. A couple comments that stand out to me as we read these couple of verses is the first thing is that he says they have a zeal for God. They have a zeal for God. But he says it's not based in knowledge. It's not based in truth, basically. Uh, after the Jews returned to the land after Babylonian captivity, uh, they were focused on worshiping the true and living God and following the law of God. They did not struggle with idolatry as they did before captivity. Now, I'm not saying they were perfect and did everything right. Uh, and I'm not saying that every single Jew was, was good with this. I'm saying as a nation, when you look at the nation of Israel before captivity and after, you see that they had a hunger for God, a zeal for God. They wanted to worship the true and living God and follow his law. However, their zeal was not based in knowledge. One author says it this way, it was heat without the light. They added their own traditions throughout time and believed that their good deeds and religious works will save them. The truth is, Paul struggled with this very thing. Uh, we see it in his life before his conversion. Acts 26 verses 1 through 11, Galatians 1 13 through 14, we see him expressing of his own salvation experience, his own testimony, if you will, that he had a zeal. He was passionate for the things of God, but he didn't understand the truth of Christ. He didn't understand the fullness of Christ. So they had a zeal for God, which many would applaud. Man, look at their sincerity. Look at their, their passion for Christ. I've had so many tell me, you know, you mean to tell me that uh, this Buddhist monk over here who has surrendered his whole life to this teaching, who you know, walks on coals, who, who does all these things, who is sincere and passionate and, and, and just adamant about their faith. You mean to tell me that they're going to go to hell because they don't know Christ? And the truth is, as much as I don't like to admit it, and I wish, I'll tell you, I wish it was different. But the truth is, the Bible does not hesitate on that question. If somebody is not in Christ, if they have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then they can be as zealous 
and as passionate about their false faith as they want to be, but it's still a false faith. It's still not true gospel. And Jesus said, if you believe, then you're, you're set for eternal life. If you believe not, you're condemned already. And there's, there's, a, there's really two choices, I believe or I don't. And if you believe the wrong thing passionately, it's still the wrong thing. And again, these are not my words. These are not Pastor John's words or my opinion. This is the word of God. And Paul is saying, man, they were zealous for God, but they didn't have the truth. Or rather, they, they chose to reject the truth. I should say it that way. It also says that they established their own righteousness and works. They did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. We found that in this passage. That's pride. And the truth is, they looked the part, but there was no personal relationship with God. It was all external. It was all external. There was no heart change. And then we see something that flips the entire chapter. Something that flips the entire truth that we see in this chapter. And that is found in verse 4. Look at verse 4 again. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. He fulfilled the law. And by doing so, he is our mediator. He is the one that can forgive us and then also cover us with his righteousness. When you receive Christ as your Savior, you don't just receive the forgiveness of sins for heaven. You receive the righteousness of Christ for earth in this life. His perfect sinless life is accredited. That righteousness is accredited to you as righteousness. And so right now as you're living for Christ, he sees you as righteous as his son and daughter in Christ. So my challenge to you this week, let's live that way. Let's live as children of God who have been set free, made new, and covered with the righteousness of Christ, not by your works, but by his grace and the things he's doing. And let's have a passion, as Paul did. We see it. He was praying for them. He was passionate that they would come and know Christ. Are we that passionate in how we share Christ this week? Are we that passionate for our neighbors that don't know Christ and that they would come to know Christ? Maybe they think they're good. Their sin's not a big deal. They're pretty good. They go to church. They pray. They do whatever. But maybe we would go to them and say, no, this is the truth. And I want you to know I'm saying this in love. But the truth is, you need Jesus Christ. And here's the gospel. Here's the love of Christ. But don't look at it in a sense of, you're better than them somehow because you have the gospel. Start off by telling them, this is how I was forgiven of my sin. And this is how God wants to forgive you of your sin. And set you free so that you can know him. John 14, that where he is, we will be with him. I pray this has been an encouragement to you. We're going to put a pin in this right here. So maybe you'd mark your notes if you printed them off. or Just make a mental note. We'll pick this up next week. We'll continue on. And we'll continue to unpack the beauty that Christ fulfilled the law and set us free, that we would be made whole. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I pray that it's been an encouragement to you. Have a blessed week this week, and we look forward to seeing you real soon.